0: Everyone, I'm Hope Lehman. I'm Camila Richardson,
1: and I'm Marisol Soul Catchings. And welcome to Just Be, a podcast by and for Black women entrepreneurs. Let's get it cracking. <laughs>
0: Hey, we are super excited. We've been spending um, a lot of time talking about um, the statistics about black women um, being the fastest growing entrepreneurs, but not being the least likely to have employees. And so last session, we talked to Charmaine Green and we were super inspired by her entrepreneurship team. And she posed a really powerful question to us, which was like, what about y'all's team? how did y'all meet each other? um how did y'all how did this all begin um you know who are you essentially and we were like oh right who, who are we <laughs> who is we so we are gonna focus this episode on us as a team on just V to learn more about the depths of why we're doing this work and a little bit about our backgrounds as entrepreneurs so holla
2: um i remember how i met hope uh as As we discussed in the first episode, we were at a tech event pop-up making zero dollars and just drinking our lives away. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, Madi, you and I met for the first time um, when another previous member of Just Be brought us together.
1: Yeah. So, Camila and I met at um, a holiday pop-up and uh i remember her
2: oh wait we met at a pop-up
1: yeah we met at the holiday pop-up at jack london yeah oh it was a little slow that night so i was like walking around i was like oh my god her shirts are so cool her sweatshirts because she camila has a girl's hustle harder
2: oh i was taking this story a totally different direction (laughs) i didn't know that was the first time i met you okay yes please continue this is how did we meet (laughs)
1: Yeah, so I think you were like two booths over from me. And I met you that night and I wanted a sweatshirt but I didn't make any
2: money. So I was like, I'm happy. Oh yes. <laughs> I remember this market now. Yeah. Sometimes when I don't make money at markets I like erase them from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: that's all right, cool. Oh, um,
2: the what was i gonna say the
0: maddie well i feel like maddie and i we met at the Indie awards mm-hmm. the oakland indy awards but i i remember maddie by reputation as well like i believe like mercedes or somebody was telling me about y- your stuff and i think i had seen two around But we, we had never like made eye contact and acknowledge each other's existence until the Indie awards when we were neighbors yeah and the oakland Indie awards are where are when like um, is a award ceremony for like local businesses and makers and they have throw on like a party to celebrate Oakland. Yeah.
2: Okay. Cool. Is, is so when was that the first time you guys spoke to each other? Yeah. We
1: introduced each other? I think I was, so. And then I was actually introduced to Aaliyah then too. So I met Hope and Aaliyah, our advisor, um, in the same event. Okay.
0: I, w- I had also put on um, a Mama, what do you call it, the Brown Mama pop-up mm-hmm. um, by the Grant and Lake Theater um, at Studio Grand. And it, I think it was me, Camila, Kim Turner, um, and Juliet Acker. And at we were also, it was also kind of slow. We did make some good holiday street money though. Um, but we, we ended up starting a conversation about doing stuff together. Yes. And that was like the planting of the seeds. Um, and Kim was like, we need to get together we need to do a house party we're thinking like all kinds of stupid ideas like a 90s house party (laughs) yes yeah and so and then from then then kim turner brought us all together from elizabeth and pearls um uh yeah like a more like we officially had a meeting like in west oakland at a youth center she works at um and then there was a lot of um and it was very timely because of all the current events and there was like twenty summer of twenty sixteen was hard for the black community. I mean, it, and personally for Very. me as well. But um, you guys want to talk about what was going on around that time?
1: Yeah. So we came together in July of twenty sixteen. Um, Kim invited us all to the youth center, and it was because of all of the shootings of you know black men by the police. And we wanted to come together to do something to help um, heal and enrich and, like, support our community. And it was a way for us all to grieve and – I'm going to cry thinking about it. That was a really hard summer. Yeah, it you was. you want to talk about the
2: specifics, Camila? Like, yeah. what was exactly going on? Um, there were two shootings pretty much back-to-back. So there was Alton Sterling Mm -hmm. um, had happened, and then Philando Castile um, happened. And it was just a dark time in the black community. And as artists, I feel like we were kind of thinking, where do we fit in in this movement? Mm -hmm. Well, I know for myself, I was. I was feeling like, as an artist, as a creative what can i do to be an activist in this um and it was at that meeting that juliet uh told me your art is your activism and i like almost burst into tears when she said that i was like oh that's true mhm
0: yeah well and i was just going to add that the well art and the entrepreneurship right is the is our resistance and like yeah how do we fit into that mhm Yeah.
1: And I think also um, Kim had brought up at the time that she was not, you know, the type of person to go to protests and be out in the street marching. And I, I also feel the same way. I feel like, you know, I feel like it's it's helpful because everyone is seeing, you know, like it's not just me that's feeling that way. And we're showing, you know, the powers that there's resistance here. But I'm also not someone to just go out in the street, and um, I think it was really helpful for us to come together as artists and try to figure out what it is that we can do to help heal our communities um, through our art. Exactly what Juliet said.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think for me it was like thinking through like entrepreneurship and more concrete like social change and community transformation. So, full disclosure, I have been in the Oakland streets. <laughs> for um, there was a period of time during Occupy and um, after that during the black lives matter sort of launch that I was out there at a few different actions I did Black brunch and interrupted brunches um, I've also grew I grew up doing some marching activism work because my mother's um, very activisty and um, yeah, and even that his that's like his own conversation. It's a it's a beautiful experience. I learned a lot. It was extremely powerful, but also terrifying because um, of the police state. But um, I think for me, what I, what was missing from those crews um, and their powerful crews, and I know BLM, in particular Black Lives Matter, does do policy work like nationally, like they have like subvers like other plans and things, but. Um, I kind of felt like there wasn't like an action you know it's like what do we do now like how do we like what's the next step and like what like what's a concrete thing and you know we talked we had dabbled in talking about buying property and things like that but i think that for me entrepreneurship has always been it's definitely about like i love my political art piece that angle and creative side of myself but for me it's always been about cooperative economics and like like we can't do this anymore. And like when this stuff happens, like how do we have our own money and send it to the family? And I mean, a lot of that beautiful things was happening with both cases, right? Mm-hmm. Crowdfunding, like these entrepreneurial outlets that allow us to address these issues differently and in a way that's like, we, we got, you know, we got to disrupt the system. Like we can't keep trying to play the same rules because the rules weren't made for us in the first place. So that was, that's what excited me about coming together yeah so the after we came together um i think we had like a few meetings and we were trying to figure out like what we could do together i think we did like a brainstorm and we had initially thought of like a community event with like an art installation and then um, we had thought about some other things um about like each other as black women makers and artists and our own struggles and like how do we there's obviously a need there so then we started thinking about mixers and Um, markets just for black women um, because we've also in the midst in the midst of like black people being murdered right like we're trying to get into these white craft fairs it's like a slap in the face nobody wants to accept you into the fair and you like sitting here like i just i'm exhausted you know like why continue
1: so we yeah we were feeling that yeah we we decided it ended up just evolving into what we naturally know and that that was entrepreneurship all of us had our own entrepreneurship journey we had our own experiences as black people as black women in entrepreneurship and um we ended up creating a holiday pop-up and that ended up being You know, we created it because, like Hope said, we were trying to get into these craft shows and these large craft shows, and you know, such as Renegade or now in um, the Bay Area, there's SF Etsy, and we were being denied, you know, entrance into them, even though our our craft is special, it's unique, it's you know, for our cultures, but these spaces are not creating space for us. And so we wanted to push back and say like you know what okay well if you're not going to create space for us we're going to create space for ourselves
0: yeah and and pulling our resources to build this abundance you know thinking instead of scarcity and competing against each other because the reality is is that you make more money together than you do separately at a craft fair and then you know mind you if they do Accept you in well i guess i have already said this in a previous episode but even if you do get in they're gonna put you somewhere where it's the ethnic section
1: at least for me well, I, did, I did get put in the ethnic section and i did not appreciate that like all the way in the back where you can't you know you have to go through all kinds of, you go through 75 80 vendors before you even get back there and well and why is the ethnic session all the way in the back you know like that's racist like that's racism 101.
0: Racism 101, back of the bus. I don't understand. Anyways. I definitely
2: recommend our listeners, if you're listening to this and you have not listened to our Craft Fair Hustle episode, please take a step back and and listen to that episode because we were trying to hold our tongue about these particular places, but in that episode, we let it all out. (laughs) And I just edited that episode and I left it all in. (laughs) Camila's
0: face is like, her smile is like, yeah, eyebrows.
2: So that was just a quick, yes, take a listen.
1: Okay, so yes, so we came together, we we discovered that entrepreneurship was, you know, our key. And we created like the holiday uh, noir pop-up last December. And then we also, um, this past April, had a Black Women Means Business mixer that was really well attended and we, actually got so much of a response from it that we were we didn't know what to do one (laughs) we were (laughs) we were so excited to have so but the need was there the need was there and black women entrepreneurs were coming forward saying like i need help i want this community we need something we need more from you yeah and i
0: guess you could speak to the holiday pop-up last um holiday season it was partnership with the era art bar Um, and it was like a whole it's it and we're doing it again this year yay get your tickets (laughs) online um so yeah so it's like a whole event like a whole night where we celebrate black um entrepreneurship and makership black women entrepreneurship and makership and we do it with a complimentary holiday cocktail with your ticket and raffle ticket um and um and we managed to pull i think at least 40 folks in and it was a torrential rainstorm last last holiday season in california and we ended the drought sort of with uh, giant storms um so that many people showed up in the storm mind you and then um and we also got some good feedback of makers like kim had shared that she made more money at that event than you know just chilling at someone else's market wow and again that's like a clear like i don't i say it a lot not just like for others but also for myself because i think being competitive is so like deeply we're so like i'll speak for myself like um what's that word um Not Ingrained. Ingrained, yeah. Like in your, we're socialized, right? Like in this Mm -hmm. capitalist system to be, to think that way that it's like, no, like this is actually not, that's actually not the reality. The reality is that we're, well, and maybe we've known this, we're more powerful together anyways. It's just that the power structure doesn't want us to be together because if we
1: figure it out, ah! Mm -hmm. (laughs) And out of the holiday pop up a beautiful moment that came for us was um, Otis Taylor, create, or Uh, decided to write an article about us in the SF Chronicle talking about black women and entrepreneurship and how it's it's a growing trend here in the in the Bay Area as well as in the United States and we had a wonderful conversation with him just talking about our experiences as black women entrepreneurs and I think it was then at least for me that I realized like oh my god like this is a huge thing like it's not just here in the Bay Area it's across the country Like, this is a a growing trend that needs to be shared. And I thought it was really special that there was a black man who came to us as black women and wanted to know our stories. I'm going to cry again. I'm just very emotional.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that around that time was when I started to learn all the statistics about black women entrepreneurs and Mm -hmm. things as well. And also, that's when I started to notice that black women were hungry for yes. community for knowledge for everything that we have to offer at just be um that was when I started to realize as well as hey wait a minute we might be on to something here
0: yeah and I think I came into the movement already like ready <laughs> so i'm not gonna laugh and i mean y'all make fun of me but i was like i was always like mm-hmm, yep yep that's it yeah it's like that that's how it is just because i came, full disclosure my background i came from working with um black girls code um and youth development and getting to travel nationally and then working with other startup organizations and the ecosystem in oakland so i got plugged into the energy probably fortuitously i feel like ever since i got plugged in i can't turn it off but I feel like I was like, huh. I was like, our people are hungry. It's toxic out here. We need another option. And, you know, and then I had to come to Jesus moment around like, you know, m- my best friend and my mentors being like, hope, like you could be the option. Like it doesn't like you could do this. And I was like, huh, okay. So, <laughs> um, I think for me, I was like, mm-hmm.
2: let's do this. I'm ready. Yeah, for me, I had the opposite experience because I had been an entrepreneur and like a lot of black women entrepreneurs, I was like all alone all the time mm-hmm. and just working alone and going through all these things alone. And then when I met you guys and the other ladies, I was like, oh, I don't have to go through this alone. Like I can go through this experience with people that are just like me and grow from there.
1: Yeah, I think it was a healing experience for us. And we realized how important it is for other people, other women, other black women entrepreneurs to have this experience as well. Because Mm -hmm. I know for me, I have been in business for almost five years and a lot of that time was spent without a community. Yeah, And it makes it, you know, I know people and I appreciate all the help that I've gotten along the way. But just to have a support and a community of people who understand what it is that my journey is like you know, is Mm life-changing.
2: Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was getting ready to say, if you don't get anything else from this podcast, please learn that having a community is life-changing. It can be a life-changing experience for yourself and for your business.
1: And another beautiful moment that we had was the Black Women Mean, Mean Business Mixer in April of 2017. And we were able to come together and bring together about 75 black women entrepreneurs of, of all areas which Surprised us that it wasn't just artists. It was women in all areas of entrepreneurship that wanted community and We were able to have a conversation and sit down and hear other people's entrepreneurship journeys and a lot of our experiences are the same and I think it was then that I was just like, Oh my God, we are, (laughs) we need to, we need to do something. We need to full steam ahead. Um, one of the wonderful things that came out of the mixer was that we were interviewed again by, um, Farida Romero of KQED. And she was following up about black women in business as well. And so she listened to all of the stories that the women were sharing at our mixer. And, um, Actually, was able to follow up with one or two of the, the black women entrepreneurs and and follow her story of how, um, our mixer actually brought together you know other entrepreneurs to collaborate and work together, and I thought that was really powerful and beautiful. It actually made me cry. I'm I'm a crier, guys, but it made me cry and, <laughs> you know, like oh my God, we did that. We we helped in this process.
0: Um. Around the time of going back really quickly to um, the um, the article from Otis that was on um, it was on the front page of the Bay Area Chronicle News. Um, that was around the time I had had a really rough meeting with my boss colleague um, at the time when I was still working for another company. And I remember I was just drained, like all my pr- depression and mental health got triggered, and it was just terrible. And I remember that there. Are, when the, the article came out, I it took me all day to sit down and just read it, and it took me all day to get out the house. Rather, I took the the newspaper with me to Farley's, and I was upstairs, and I was like, "All right, hope just like breathe and just read this," you know. Um, even though I feel like terrible, um, and I read it, and I remember feeling like so like, like very spiritual, <laughs> and I just put my hand like on on the um the newspaper. And i was like this is good this is this is good this is right this is good and and i just like i don't know there was something really deep that was like yes like this is out here and it's supposed to be out here like our voices and um yeah and like my quotes my quotes at the time i was quoted as like having rage as a black woman and and to read that article and to have that be out in the world and be validated. I was like, yes, this is this just feels like right. It feels good,
2: good, you know. Yeah, that article. It did feel really good, and it. I feel like it. It for me, it. Let me know that we are on the right track, mm-hmm. that uh, people want to hear about what we have to say, and they want to know uh, about more about our community.
1: Yeah, I couldn't stop thinking about it after the conversation. I was having, like, uh, I had maybe five or six conversations with people after after we had that interview with Otis that I was just like, oh, my God, like, I really appreciated him as a black man coming to us and asking us how, what our experience are, experiences are and what we have to say. And, and then in everyone sharing together – and learning about all of you, you know, and your your entrepreneurship journeys. And, um, you know, all of that was very powerful. The day that the article came out, I went and bought, like, eight newspapers. And I was like, mom, (laughs) you get one, and Grammy, you get one. (laughs) I was like, I have to have, like, three for myself. I was so excited. And I felt like we were on the right track as well.
0: The – um so after after all of that beautifulness we essentially kind of realized we wanted to build like an actual organization like a like a place like something that was more structured and organized and it was like bigger you know than maybe what we initially thought and so um, when we decided that we did the we founded just be with like an initial eight women and then we kind of got down to the nitty gritty for folks and we're sharing this also as transparency around building a team and like what that means as business owners um is that we wanted to start a second business and the beautiful thing about our collective is that everyone in the collective had a business already which i'm naming that because um that's actually really unique you know usually people start startups because they're at a fat nine to five they hate mm-hmm. all the women we were working it with were like i love what i do i ain't leaving <laughs> so and i think that's That was like both powerful and then also like, oh, capacity. So some folks were like, no, I actually need to focus on my stuff and my projects and that, but I love this and I'm going to always be here for y'all. And some folks decided to um, be in an advisory role. Um, But so then it came down to essentially the three of us who uh, formed an LLC, um, member managed LLC as the business coach for folks who are like, what the heck is that? How do I do that? We can talk about that more later. But, um, yeah, and then right now we are still considered a startup and we are figuring out, our like, our model, but that's where we're at.
1: Yeah, and we're at the point now where we're, we're figuring out what it is that we're doing, exactly how we want to do it, and how we're able to serve our community. And there's just so much momentum behind it already, And we just formed our LLC in August, Mm -hmm. as we shared with you guys before. And there's been so much momentum behind it already that we are, I definitely feel like we are on the right path.
2: I do as well. I feel like I've been having dreams lately about our 2018, and I don't want to scare you ladies, (laughs) but (laughs) buckle up. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say.
0: Camila has really positive dreams and I'm still trying to I was like Camila needs to figure out how to sell that skill set or something because my dreams are apocalyptic and they just be bringing up all my stuff Um, but um, oh yeah we want to shout out the original founders of Just V in that initial meeting so Kim Turner brought us together um, owns Elizabeth and Pearls and then we have Penelope Adibe um, who owns NECA um clothing line right mm-hmm. and like pop-up markets and then juliet ackers one of the founders who owns um furious flower designs and then also has a blog and a consulting company um and then candace cox who's candid art yolanda cotton turner known as yolanda cotton turner because she is an artiste <laughs> <laughs> um it does beautiful um it's like block prints right um and then Mercedes, Trace Mercedes, and Aaliyah came later. Um, Mercedes and Aaliyah came later, but um, Aaliyah owns Kilch Collective, where our two out of three of us have art studio space, and also Show and Tell. And Aaliyah is our current advisor. So,
1: shout out, roll call, to the days. Yes, thank you all for being in our, in this entrepreneurship journey for us.
0: Yeah, and we'll include their infos uh, in the show notes.
2: Welcome back. We're so back. <laughs> uh, so you can learn a little bit more about us. We've decided to interview each other. And first up, we have Madi Soul Catchings in the hot seat. Madi, are you ready?
1: I am ready.
2: Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about the beginning of your entrepreneurship journey? What brought you to entrepreneurship?
1: My entrepreneurship journey started in 2012. I was looking for, and I had been at, um, at my last job in 20. So I have not worked at a traditional job since 2012, wow. guys. Um, Congratulations.
2: <laughs> She's a veteran in this game.
1: <laughs> but um, I was at a economic and public policy firm. It was a small business. Um, and I was really miserable there. I was the only black person in the office. I was the only Latina in the office. I was the lowest paid person in the office and I had entered with other people that were my same age or a little bit younger and they were getting paid double what I was getting paid and I was doing double the work that they were. And I came in with two degrees. So I did not appreciate that. I was looking for another job um, and I was just like, I don't want this job anymore. I want to work somewhere else. This is not okay. One of the white ladies that was working in there had yelled at me. I complained to my Ooh. boss. She yelled at me and hung up the phone. Okay, yelled at me, hung up the phone Wait, on is me. The
0: publishing company? Do we need to put them
1: <laughs> I wish Bridget, y'all could we, see my we. face right now. Bridget, I am not a fan of yours.
2: I have but... white man blinking GIF. <laughs> <laughs> you know that white man blinking GIF where he's like, "What?" That's my face right now.
1: But yes, so I, I didn't feel appreciated. I was undervalued there. And I'm like, I need to get out of here. I need to go work somewhere else. It was my first job out of college. And I'm like, I came in with a lot of experience. And, um, you know, I was not being paid what I was worth and all of the, the things that I was doing there. So I, I started manifesting something else in my brain i was like i have to do something else i don't want to work here anymore and really be careful what you what you think of you know how you think of something because i ended up getting laid off and they gave me you know a little package to like get me on my way um but afterward I was like oh my god how am I gonna pay my bills and like (laughs) I was like I said I didn't want to work there I was like I should have thought about it and said like okay I need another job before this one ends you know like transitioning into something else um I applied for hundreds of jobs hundreds of jobs across the country um I got you know maybe 10 or 15 interviews over a year and a half period where I was looking for a job and they were at universities, different places and I'd get to the end and then wouldn't hear anything back. And so you, I'm sure you guys have searched for a job before. Like that is heartbreaking when you just keep getting like door closed after door closed. And, um, you know, in the meantime I had started crafting my family, all of the women in my mom's side of the family are very, artistic, um, they have their own skills, and, you know, at least back to my great-grandmother. And so, um, I started crafting for myself, making earrings, and I wanted something that was uh, representative of my Afro-Latina-ness. <laughs> I'm <laughs> my like, why do you make that face? I was like... I made a face? Yeah. Oh. No.
0: It's, it's a good face. It's it just a good funny. Face? Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, all right, <laughs>
1: But I wanted something that represented me, and so I started making things for myself in, you know, in between job applications, and, you know, I got a lot of comments, I got a lot of feedback about it. People wanted to buy my things, and so I started an Etsy shop, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this on the side until I figure out what I want to do. Um, writing is my first passion. It was my first introduction to the art world, and I've written since I was in maybe second grade, stories, whatever. Nice. I love writing.
2: And um, did you know that Camila? Yeah, I think so. So
1: I got um, I graduated. to Check
2: my grammar (laughs) when I write things. So I think I knew that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I I was also previously a a copy editor and copywriter. Um, So I I love words. Um, And I wanted to go into that field. I wanted to write a book. I wanted to um, edit before, you know, I wrote a book and until I was able to support myself as a writer. And I ended up in a totally different area. Um, uh, My business started, you know, making little moves. I started getting more invested in it. And I I really just wanted to just do that. But it, it took me a year of... So I started my business in 2013 um it took me a year to finally be like okay this is what i want to do this is i need to make this my full-time job so i have to you know work at it every single day like it's a full-time job my mom said that she like shook me out of bed she's like you can't stay in the bed all day if this is going to be your business this is going to be your business and you are going to work at it every day from nine to five like it's like you've gone to work
2: hashtag mom goals mom shout out to mom (laughs)
1: My mother has been so supportive in my, really just all of my family and friends have been so supportive of my business. Um, And I really attribute that to like, I, I really attribute the success of my business to the foundations that my parents gave me. They were both like, you can do whatever you want to do, you know, whatever you set your mind to and, you know, just make sure that you set your mind to it and, and that you focus on it and create something that's sustainable. And so I really appreciate that. So, yeah, Azteca Negra was born and um, I have been in business since 2013.
0: How many years is that?
1: That I'm moving in on five years. Nice. Yeah, I'm moving in on five years. And um, yeah, I, I would not go back now. I would not. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot.
2: What's your favorite part about being an entrepreneur and your business?
1: I love being on my own schedule. Um, I, yeah, I get to pick my own schedule. I get to pick my travel schedule. Um, I get to wake up when I want to, and I get to work as late as I want to, and the deadlines that I create are my own creation. You know what I mean? Like, you get to, to really work for yourself. But in working for yourself, it is a little bit hard to turn off sometimes like when you get to a point like you know you have things that you want goals that you want to accomplish it gets a little bit hard because then you know entrepreneurship is a lifestyle and if you you know eat sleep breathe your business it gets a little bit difficult to um you know set it down and then say like okay me time or you know vacation time and but I I love that I'm able to set my own schedule and live by my own rules
0: Would you say that's like what's the most challenging part about being an entrepreneur?
1: Um, Wearing all the hats. So I had to learn, you know, how to be good at social media. I had to learn how to, you know, make sure that I'm, I'm following up with everybody who asks me questions and that I'm, you know, I'm able to track down packages if they're lost and I'm able to you know, get the website going and make sure that it's maintained. And wearing all the hats is a lot. It is so much. I mean, you guys know.
0: <laughs> have you ever looked for work since? Or, like, panicked and, like, you know?
1: I have. So <laughs> 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 I'm <just>
0: being honest.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I started my business between jobs, right? I was getting an unemployment check. So I funded my business with my unemployment check. And, um... I was actually okay until maybe the beginning of 2016. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, like all of these shows are not happening right now. I need to figure out how to make more money. And um, my social media wasn't exactly where I wanted it to be, which means that my online sales or like sales when I wasn't vending weren't where I wanted them to be. And so I decided to drive for Lyft for a short period of time. And then I started signing people up for Lyft, so I was getting all those like really big bonuses for signing people up and then completing things. So then I was like, ooh, my entrepreneurship gene kicked in, <laughs> kicked in right there because I'm like, oh, instead of me doing all this driving, I'm going to sign other people up so that they can do the driving and I'm going to get that bonus, mm-hmm. right? So that saves me 100 hours of driving or something like that. And so um, – yeah, I did that for a short period of time, and then I quit, and I haven't. Yeah, in five years, i I did lift for two months.
0: Yeah,
2: that's about right. Gig economy. Mm-hmm.
0: I lasted two two months <laughs>
2: in the gig economy. I lasted maybe four or five months. I maybe would lasted longer if I wouldn't have gotten kicked off, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Oh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs>
0: what is one thing you would share with a black woman entrepreneur who's thinking about starting and actually i'm going to word this a little differently so what is like one thing at least one thing you wish you had known at the beginning that you know now
1: um hmm. one i wish that i had a community because i did not have one and it's really nice to have you guys. I love you.
2: Aww. And <laughs> love fest. I was gonna ask, um, what's the future of Esteca Negra? Like, what's what's coming up? What what do we have to look forward to in 2018 and beyond?
1: Ooh. So my goals for next year. Um, this year, I actually went to Essence and Vended at Essence, and the Essence Festival in New Orleans. And that was a huge goal for me. I, it had okay. been on my list for a year and or a year and a half. And so I made that happen. And so next year, I want to also do it again. Okay. And I want to venture outside of California. So I've been up and down California. Um, I do events here in the Bay Area and then down in L.A. And I kind of want to move out maybe over to New York and Atlanta and kind of see maybe New Mexico, like the, the southern state, like the states that are south of us right now and um just kind of expand my brand a little bit more also online as well so I'll be selling more online Mm -hmm. doing more online stuff and promoting that um yeah I'm I'm really excited for next year I'm I'm tired of vending I really love it I appreciate everyone who's listening and who has ever come by my table I appreciate you but it is so much work
2: It is a lot of work, and I think it does take a toll on you after a while, like a physical toll on your body after a while. Yeah, I'm
1: exhausted afterward. I mean, if you do a show that's filled with like 20,000 people, like First Friday, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're giving out all that energy. You're on because you're selling. Mm -hmm. You know, you're selling yourself. You're selling your stuff, and it just takes a lot of energy, so, you know, I want to kind of roll back and get some of my time back
2: with that. Awesome. Hope do you have any more questions? I did have a question but I forgot it. Mm. Oh, I have one question. Mm -hmm. How do you balance your personal work life balance? What's what do you what do you do to balance that? Mm. (laughs) Ooh
1: Lately my uh my balance has been off. Um I think when, so my, ooh, I get to say this for the first time, my oh, fiancé, uh. <laughs> my fiancé moved down to Southern California for the year. and Marnie just
2: got engaged, y'all. She's sitting across from me <laughs> with a fat-ass sapphire ring on.
1: I you know, she's trying to slide past that point. Right. <laughs> so... Yeah, so shout out to Miguel Frank. I love you so much. You made a beautiful, you know, memory for me, and I love you.
2: High five, Miguel, <laughs> when I see you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, you get points, you get points. But my fiancé has moved, and so he actually used to help me balance out my work life because, you know, I'd spend evenings with him when he'd come home from work or school, and, um it there was way more balance and so now that i'm living on my own it i'm like oh i can work all night i can work until the middle of the night and i can get up whenever and so my schedule is a little bit off but generally i i turn off after he would i i turn off business unless there was something really really important coming up um when he would come home and so i think i need to create that again for myself just for myself like i turn off at a certain period where i'm not answering Instagram messages or Facebook messages or emails and um, Yeah, so I I would definitely suggest that to any entrepreneurs that are listening. I know if you are, you know, wearing all the hats like we do um, Giving yourself time and shutting down after a certain time to give yourself that time and to give your family that time You know where you can renew you get to spend time. You're not constantly working you know, set boundaries for yourself where your customers or your work is not interfering in your actual life and you're not living.
2: Yeah, I agree.
0: I remember my question. It is, what is the thing that you're most proud of about Azteca Negra? that's a good one.
1: Um, I get to celebrate both of my cultures. I am a very proud black woman and I am a very proud Mexican woman and I love that I get to share little pieces of myself with everybody who comes by, sees, shops, buys from me. And um, the response that I've gotten from my community is is amazing, like from, from both communities, from the Black community, from the Latino community. And I love that you know there are people that are excited to wear something that I created with my hands you know like they get so excited and that's gonna I'm sorry guys I'm just very emotional today I'm gonna cry but um, I get so excited seeing other people get excited about my work so I'm most proud that I get to empower people through my art. Mila Richardson we are going to interview you and just throw out all these questions so be prepared
2: I'm nervous
0: yeah be, be prepared you got this <laughs> you
1: got this
2: I prefer being the questionnaire is that the right word for that question interviewer the interviewer, interviewer. Thank there you. we go yes
0: the questionnaire <laughs> I, pre- I prefer being the questionnaire the document in which people ask questions <laughs> I'm teasing you um. All right. Well, let's see. Hmm. Can you share your journey to entrepreneurship?
2: Yes. Um. I was working uh, for a gentleman in the Bay Area, he, running a screen printing business. Um. And when he hired me, he told me, "I want to train you, and I want you to take over my business when I retire." And so I worked with him. I worked for him for. Three, almost four years, all in with the intention for myself that I was gonna take over his business uh, when he retired. And when he did retire, he found somebody else to take over his business and kind of just left me out there. And I decided that I would never let that experience happen ever again. And even when it happened, I was, I remember being on the phone with my cousin who works in corporate America and I was telling her, I was like, he was saying that the other guy is just like him, just like him, but I'm just like him. Like he trained me. Everything I do is exactly how he trained me to do it. And I love my cousin. Shout out to Stacey. She was like, no, he means he's just like him. He's a white man. Mm Mm-hmm. And mm. my mind like exploded when she said that. I was like, "What?" Mm. Yeah,
0: it's
2: it's called implicit and
0: explicit bias. <laughs> Hashtag racism. Hashtag like that this. feels awful. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's. It's terrible. I've heard this story before, but it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait a minute, you have a date. You have a date.
2: So yes. <laughs> So after that, um, I went and worked for another company, a girls uh, sportswear company in Emeryville. And uh, when I left that business, it was September 11th, 2015. That was the last date I got an actual paycheck in my hand. And I just remember sitting in my car with that envelope in my hand and being like, this is it. This is the last one. Your you rogue. were going to take
1: the dive in? You decided <laughs> to dive in.
2: Yes. I had decided two weeks prior I had given her my two-week notice. But mm-hmm. when she gave me that last paycheck, I just remember sitting in my car looking at that envelope like, this is it. This is the last paycheck. I'm officially a renegade. <laughs> a renegade? I yes. rogue. I went rogue. <laughs> <laughs> rogue. What year was that? How long have you been doing this? Uh, that was in 2015. That was September 11th, 2015.
0: Okay. How many years is that?
2: So three. Yeah, it'll be three. <laughs> in, it'll be three next year. I was like, I don't do public math or public stuff.
1: <laughs> wow congratulations
2: thank you <laughs>
1: I know we said that we are like the only group that says congratulations when you just haven't worked for so
2: I long. know oh yeah I posted that on our Instagram uh, one of our um, fellow Oakland natives just quit her job and she posted a beautiful story about it on Instagram and I reposted it because yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. it was important
0: I like that we can start it it's like what you, the, when you said what's your date I was like what is she talking about <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. So maybe you guys can tell us what your date is. Oh, yeah. Yes. And your tell me why.
2: Yes. Leave your comment of your quit date. Yep. In our comment section. All right. Um,
1: so you unplugged in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, what part of entrepreneurship do you love the most of being a, an entrepreneur working for yourself?
2: i think the part that i love the most is meeting people and getting to learn more about them and their journey and their story and what they have going on and things like that when i worked in the apparel business you don't meet that many new people you meet your clients that you're designing for and then you know the people who work in the sewing shops and the pattern makers. And that's about the extent of your community mm. of people who you get to meet and get to know. Mm-hmm. And so I love working for myself that I just get to meet new people all the time. Yeah, That is a perk.
0: Well, unless you're introverted, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, um, uh, what is, what do you find the most challenging about entrepreneurship and like the hardest part?
2: Um, the hardest part is sometimes, well, for myself, sometimes the hardest part is staying like positive when things aren't going as I planned them to and to keep like believing in myself and saying, okay, that didn't work out, but it's not the end of the world. Like I literally have to have this conversation with myself where it's like, it's not the end of the world nobody died, it's going to be okay, you're not going to starve, you're not homeless, like, mm-hmm. you can still move forward even though what you wanted to happen didn't happen.
1: Yeah, I, I have those days, too, where I'm like, okay, this did not go as planned. Um, I need to recalibrate. Yeah. We need to figure out a new plan, like, because I will not go out like this. right. right. <laughs> Right. Right. I like that. I like that. We're gonna need to. We're gonna need to make a
0: thing about that on the post. I will not go out like this. Cause <laughs> yeah. When you I work for
2: someone else, mm-hmm. something cannot go right at work, but you don't have to worry about not being able to eat after that. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to worry about oh that didn't go right, but you know, am I gonna be able to pay my rent or my bills or whatever? If something doesn't go right when you're in entrepreneurship. That is literally your, you know, your bread and butter is at stake there. Mm -hmm. So it makes it a little bit scarier.
0: Have you applied for a gig since? Or, you know.
2: I haven't applied for a gig since, but that's interesting you brought it up because I'm looking forward to 2018. And one of the things that I was looking, thinking about was I was like, do I want to get a part time job? Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I just started thinking that recently because I want to make some more money and it's expensive in the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, so I haven't decided fully, but it is something that I am thinking about. Yeah. I'm just going to add, how are you going to run
1: us, you, and a part-time job? I know. I don't
2: know. Something to think about
1: yeah <laughs> definitely
0: offering a team member <laughs> team moment <laughs> if we're having a team meeting
2: right now yeah that would definitely yes well I and hopefully about
0: that. hopefully based on your visions you've been having that it'll be your part-time job will be or whatever job will be just be yeah um, yeah that will
2: be like we're getting paid next year yeah i i want some of so i want Rich and Riot which is my brand to be a little bit more automated like where I can step out of it a little bit more and have it continue to run Um, and then hopefully we just be as well and can you tell us a little bit more about Rich and Riot so Rich and Riot uh, I've been doing for a while now the original name of Rich and Riot was Princess Punk Oh yeah, but then I got too old for that name (laughs) you are not old I outgrew it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I rename my business Rich and Riot yeah um, I don't know what else to say what do you sell what do you make uh, thank you you can tell I'm not good about talking about <laughs> myself I'm like I don't know what do you want from me <laughs> <laughs> Um, I make empowerment T-shirts uh, for mostly women right now, but apparel for men and women and some small accessories, mostly with an empowerment message. I have an Entrepreneur Her uh, shirt. Yeah. So promote well, women and Girls pro- Hustle Harder. And Girls Hustle Harder, which shout-out to Girls Hustle Harder. That has been giving me my life for... I, I came out with that shirt in 2015, and I have literally kept selling it and living off of those three words for the last two, almost three years.
1: That was the first thing I remembered about you as a business, was
2: Girls Hustle Harder, your Girls Hustle, hustle Harder sweatshirts. Sometimes I like look at that shirt and I'm like, I can't believe I'm making a living off of this one shirt that I came up with two, almost three years ago. Actually, December 15, 2015 is when I came out with it.
1: Oh, so you just had it when I met you. Yes. Okay.
2: That was like the first weekend out. Like I had just printed it mm-hmm. that weekend.
1: Yay.
2: Can't believe it. You also have the Oakland Hustle Harder shirt too. I have Oakland Hustles Harder because people from Oakland. The town. Have a lot of pride. <laughs> I was like, just a little <laughs> So, yeah.
1: And what are your goals for 2018 with Rich and Riot?
2: So again, my goals are to be a little bit, to be able to not put so many hours into my business, but to still have it be profitable or maybe even more profitable uh, without so much of my hand moving all of the parts. Mm -hmm. Um, Exactly what you said as well. So I would like to step out of that I would like to continue to grow Just be, because I do, I have been having dreams that uh, I feel like eventually Just be will be bigger than Rich and Riot and possibly doing that more than my, um, than Rich and Riot or having Rich and Riot a little bit more automated mm-hmm. and being able to focus more on just because I do love meeting all of our black women entrepreneurs. Oh, my
1: God, I love it. I love hearing all their journeys. I love hearing the journeys yeah. and what what everyone is doing. Everyone's doing something different and they have different
2: ideas. And so hearing all of those is, is amazing. Yeah, yeah, I've really enjoyed that. And so I, I'm starting to learn that that is becoming very a big passion in my life. So Mm -hmm. I definitely want to focus more on
1: that. I will add that when you said when you were talking about um, uh, finding a part time job, I thought about that last year. It reminded me of of how I felt last year when I was doing Lyft. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was almost done with all of my rides before I got my extra bonus for myself, um, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should find like a part time job or something else that I can do. And then I'm like, why am I? why am I thinking this way? Like, I don't want to do that. It's not going to make me happy. I just want yeah. the money. And I'm like, okay, well, I need to put all of that energy into my business. That way I'm making the money that I want from my business. Yeah. And so I think that as we're growing w- our business together, I mm-hmm. think that's what's going to create that extra, you know, income for us. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I. Yeah. Mm-hmm
2: it's real i was like so many things to say i know it is definitely something i think about it's been on my mind and yeah the bay area is expensive and there is a particular way that i want to live my life that i'm not going to apologize for anymore and i need to make more money to do that
1: Mm -hmm.
2: that's just the bottom line (laughs) we gonna get there
1: we gonna get there together
0: (laughs) I feel it the money, I feel it I feel the money's coming even the way in the past few years how I've shifted about thinking about money it's so I was thinking about it today I was like wow I feel like so much more abundance thinking when I'm healthy and my mental health is balanced than I do scarcity before
2: yeah mm-hmm. awesome
1: all right well thank you Camila I'm so excited that we got to hear your journey is there anything else you want to share with our audience
2: I just want to say to any black woman entrepreneurs that may be listening that it is going to be difficult, it is going to be hard, it's terrifying, excuse me, terrifying and exciting all at the same time but uh, once you start and you start doing it you will see things fall into place and you will know that you're on the right path. And now we have Hope Lehman in the hot seat. Hope, are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about your uh, beginning entrepreneurship journey.
0: Yes, and I know I've shared it before. Um, I'm like, how do I do this speedy version? Um, Essentially, my background is in youth development. And at the time I decided to branch off and do art business stuff, I was running a youth leadership program in San Francisco, um, a youth employment program, and I was also going through a terrible breakup. I think I forgot to add that part in there. Um, and I was struggling with probably the worst depression I've ever experienced in my whole life. Um, and around that time, I went to Afropunk in Brooklyn with my best friend and I um, I went to the art section or whatever, the vendors, and there is um, an amazing plethora of art and earrings. I bought hella shit on credit. (laughs) I
2: was not supposed to be doing that.
0: (laughs) But I did because I was, you know, I was like going through it. So, um, and I I don't know why. It was like this, I think someone had planted a seed. Maybe it was my best friend. But um, I had been making stuff before. And um, like growing up, and I always I've always been an artist and attracted to art. So I was like, you know what? I could do what they're doing. Like maybe when I get back to the Oakland, like I'll test out this first Friday thing, see what it's about, you know. Um, and then when I got back to my gig, um, my day job was good. It was powerful. I learned hella stuff. I heard a, I learned a lot. But as a social justice activist, and feminine, black feminist, um, I was experiencing a lot of resistance what I was bringing to the space. I felt like I couldn't be my whole self there. Um, I felt super isolated. And um, I was like, I need my own space. You know, like I felt like kind of like claustrophobic, like, ugh, like physically like, ugh, I need to break out. Like, ugh, right? So I, um, I went and sold some earrings at First Friday for the first time that I had just like whipped together. They're kind of 80s, like made out of like recycled craft wood, whatever. And people bought it on first Friday, and they were like, "I love your art. You're such a great artist." And I was like, <laughs> oh. "I was like, I'm an artist. <laughs> I literally, you know, how you're like beaming. You're like, okay, <laughs> like I just like whipped out a table. That was back in the day when you did not need a permit. You did not need your license. You just paid the vending fee. You went out there. So um, that was that was like okay. There's something going on here. It feels good. I should keep doing it. And then I started carving out the time with my job. I was like, every first
1: Friday of the month, I'm gonna need
0: to be gone." Um, and then I ended up getting pipeline into a business program, um, with the youth hub actually, which is where we're at right now at United Roots. My homie was doing an adult, um, kind of like incubator accelerator, like for like a couple days. Um, and then we did a pitch at the end and you could win a thousand dollars up to a thousand dollars. And he was like, yo, like I see you doing your art thing. Like you should be a part of the program. So I was like, Sure. Um, and first off, the powerful experience for that was I got to write my mission statement for myself, and it was the first time that I could write, like, the word social justice in my mission, Mm -hmm. and, and it was, like, mine, and I didn't have to argue with no one about it, I didn't have to qualify it, I didn't have to explain black history, (laughs) the history of the United States of America, and colonialism, like, I could just be like, this is social justice art, and it's for people, these people, for women of color and folks who want to wear what they believe on their bodies. And that was like, it just felt like the right thing to do. Liberating. Yes. It felt, yeah, it felt liberating. Um, Really quickly, I did the pitch event, and I I won the grand prize. Yay! Awesome. And that's how I met DJ from Central Community Partners. Got into another business program, met other business folks who were like no you're an entrepreneur like they were just like pushy you know like so much the universe was like keep going don't mm-hmm. give up yet yeah you got a full-time yeah. job but keep it going the doors opened oh yeah oh yeah. I and I believe in that stuff for real for real like I've seen it I'm like I've seen it <laughs> <laughs> my sister makes fun of me for saying "seen," t- but I, I think it's good. um I've seen it so um I think for me this journey has been um It's. I feel it's like very spiritual. It's like very like no, just like your calling. When you figure out what your passion, your calling is, and how to do it. And I think we could have many callings and passion, many callings and passions. I don't know. That was a lot. Just like many like soulmates. But I do feel like um, I've been I've been pushed in this direction. My journey My journey to letting go the nine to five (laughs) has been very hard. It was a very. It was a side hustle for a while um and it was um a lu- a pretty lucrative side hustle like i had to moments of celebration right and being like you just made a cool extra g this year a cool extra couple of g's mm-hmm. on a non-profit salary that's like something to be like oh for real mm-hmm. that's uh there's something going on here hope like don't don't uh you know forget about it so that's that's the beginning of
1: it and what year was this that you started your business
0: um, I started the first time I think I ever went out to First Friday was in 2013, like during the
1: holiday season. Okay. Oh, we were there at the same time. I got started at First Friday vending as well.
2: What? Shout oh, out no! to First Friday. Shout out to First <laughs> Friday. Hello.
1: Starting businesses. Yep.
0: I'm like, I had no business being out there. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs>
1: yes, and we always, well, at least I do, I always encourage people, um, if you're here in the Bay Area and you have a product-based business, to check out First Friday. They're very affordable. We love them. It's very community-oriented, and, um, you know, I I would not, my business would not be where it is now without the community of Oakland and Oakland First Friday.
0: Yeah, I always recommend for entrepreneurs to To start out there, it's a great. It's like very low pressure, and it's like not terrifying. The only thing I would say now is that you do have to have your licensing in order now. So mm-hmm. you do have to have all of your local Alameda County business tax certificate, seller's permit, situation. So,
1: yes, just get that together and then go out there. So, when did you unplug officially from your nine to five? Um, I was like, well,
0: I'm not. I'm like, I was like, I'm like, now we have this date competition. I was like, mine's not that, it's not that long ago. Um, And it's actually interesting how, I guess it's also like, how do we define it? So the last time I worked like as an employee, a salaried employee was in fall of 2015. Um, And then ever since then, I have been contracted. um, Well, I did some part-time substitute teaching. And then I got... And then you know the contractor situation's special. Um, I'm making a face right now because um, I've been doing the last. I guess the for me the indicator is the last client that last contract gig I had where it wasn't under Fresh to Deaf because I do consulting through Fresh to Deaf um, was summer this past summer in July. Yeah. So that's what I would count as like I finally I'm like living off of a con- contract and consulting the fresh to death in my art and I actually am paying myself now out of that and I have a budget and I know what it looks like so I can pay other people, and that is that's that's what I would say my date is
1: yeah and, and shout out to paying yourself yeah 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 that's really important we've talked about this in previous episodes but I think hope are you the only one doing it right now because I'm not paying myself. <laughs> but shout out to you for for creating that for yourself, you know, those boundaries for yourself in your business.
0: Yeah. I mean, my partner has been yelling at me about it for a while now, which is good. But um and again, like you can't pay you cannot pay others if you're not paying yourself first. So, I yeah. got a, I got the budget down as a co- as a business coach. So, yeah, it's been really it's been extremely empowering and and even over the summer um the it was like I feel like this I don't know what happened to me spiritually but I literally was like I'm like my mentor explained it to me once where she was like yeah there's gonna be a moment when you're like no you're just gonna wake up and be like no Mm -mm. and as a woman I'm usually a yes person I'm usually very accommodating I'm a people person right I'm worried about reputation or whatever all these things that at the end of the day it does not they none of those matter what matters is it am I gonna is my mental health okay Am I gonna? Am I cool? Like, are we gonna be cool? And like, am I happy? And if if that is the right alignment, then things will work out the way they're supposed to work out. So over the summer, I literally was like, (laughs) I spiritually was like, I'm not doing that,
2: (laughs) and the (laughs) people around me were like, What
0: happened? (laughs) Like, you know, it was it was heavy. Um. Anyways, I feel good about it now. But that um. Anyways, keep asking questions.
2: What has been your favorite part about being? Um, an entrepreneur.
0: My favorite part about being an entrepreneur is having my time to do what the f I want. And when I say by the f I want, I mean, I mean like the things I'm passionate about. Like I get to wake up in the morning and be like, I'm about to do that. Yeah. Like I wanna do. I wanna figure out an econ- I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, do I want to figure out how to solve patriarchy and economic <laughs> oppression? You know, and, and you know, I'm making a face because it's like,
2: you really think about that? Yeah, some small task. I know, right? little. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know, like I work for a nonprofit, you know, youth development, like leadership program. You know, you have to follow their guide, their like the those mm-hmm. social issues. And I think for me, I'm like, ooh, that's a good idea. Let me write that down. And like, I have my time, my skill sets, and I know what they're worth now, and I know how much they're worth per hour and I get to say when and how they're used and spent and that that has been like, whew, that level of realization has been extremely empowering. Even if I do go back to nine to five or even apply, like the way I'm even engaging with that, that like the interview room dynamic is like, nah, like I know my value
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and like we're we're in a partnership. So let's negotiate Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you're about to get me my time.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that's important, definitely just as black women, as women in general, but also as black women, so we don't negotiate for what we are, you know, our value in the workplace. So I think that that's very powerful that you have that, you know, if you decide to go back and moving forward just in your own businesses. Hmm. Um. So what are, can you tell us a little bit more about Fresh to Deaf?
0: Yeah, so Fresh to Deaf, um, Um, Fully Fresh to Deaf Collective is a political art and, well, I call it a political wearable art company, social justice company, that honors, that seeks to honor and empower women of color and and freedom fighters, essentially, folks who want to wear what they believe on their bodies um, and to inspire social change. So I have very vibrant, laser-cut wood jewelry that's, like, kind of... um, bling bling earrings, it's very trendy, it's very like, it's very Oakland, it's very city life. Um, And then I have pins that say things like stay woke or no chill or peace, very hip hop as well, dope, fresh, hella. Um, And yeah, I mean for me I think the goal is to is to kinda show your culture and the world like how we want our world to be and how we wanna be treated. And it's, for me, like active resistance with like one little pin, you know, if you will step into that isolating board meeting, like we've all been talking about these moments where we work for toxic people. I, I mean, I think our culture is struggling with toxicity all the time. You know, at least you have that pin to know that like, you're not alone. You know, there's a maker that is on the same page as you. Um, I've had folks email me, reading my mission, being like, I'm so glad you exist, like some random person from Sacramento once. And I was like, oh, for real? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sactown. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's we, oh, it, our, we are in a transition nationally and culturally. Our world is shifting and changing. And, and I think and it's always doing that, but I feel like it's just – I'll speak for me as the – I think I'm in the millennial generation that everyone picks on. But as a millennial, I think that I'm I'm just fed up. Like I just I can't anymore. I can't keep on keeping on. I need stuff to change now. Like I have family in poverty that are going to stay in poverty, and that cannot be the case forever. Like I'm tired. I'm not I'm not doing it anymore. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm like no, I'm just saying no. I'm doing something
1: else. So it sounds like both Fresh to Deaf Collective and Just V are your acts of resistance and I think that's beautiful. Um, What are some of your goals for your businesses next year? Um,
0: My goal, okay, so my goals are to have contractors, contracted employees, or I guess I have to call them contractors legally. (laughs) I'm a business coach. I'm like, contractors, to have help. So definitely to have at least one, if not two next year, um, helping me. And then um, I want to make at least three racks a month online in sales, every month minimum. Um, and then I also do business coaching and consulting, so let's see. Oh no. I'm like be careful what you ask for. <laughs> I think I would like to be I would like I think I would like to be hired to be a keynote speaker somewhere in twenty
2: eighteen. Nice.
0: I'm already scared. <laughs> I'm already tired of <laughs> thinking about it. Um, and to like be like a representative, you know, for women of color, black women, in entrepreneurship, and be on panels. So I wanna, I wanna put myself out there more, run workshops, and just be like, no more, stop it, no, no more limiting beliefs, just do it. Yes, work it out.
1: That's definitely in in my goal sheet as well as talking. Like I want us to be on panels. I want us to talk about entrepreneurship. We are doing something revolutionary here. We're doing something amazing, and not everybody else is doing or focusing on. And so, yeah, we gonna be on panels next year. <laughs> if you want to, is that gonna be to a t- panel? <laughs> is that gonna
0: be a t-shirt? We gonna be on panels. Yes. Yeah. What? People are like, what does that mean?
2: I love that, Monty. Thank you. Yes, I do want to be on some panels next year. But what I've learned about myself is that I like to ask the questions on the panel. So like, I want to be the host, the moderator, the <laughs> moderator on the panel. Yes. So thank you, Hope, for telling us about your journey to entrepreneurship with Fresh to Death. And do you have any last words for an entrepreneurship out there right an entrepreneur out there right now who's like oh her story resonates with me what's your advice to them
0: i would say follow the signs trust yourself you got this find a community and figure out your mental health and your um your bottom line needs so that when it gets tough you know that like you know what your minimum resources are you need to take care of yourself those are my my nuggets awesome yeah
2: Podcast. I say this every episode. And I will continue <laughs> I know to you say know. it until the end of time because it just is. Um, my favorite part, tell me why. Who wants to go first? Tell me you.
1: Tell me me. You're gonna go first. Oh. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm so excited. We have like just good news like two weeks in a row. Go. Tell me why
2: I'm engaged now. <laughs> ow, ow! Yes, tell me why I got engaged yesterday, which was Sunday. We're recording on Monday, Um, to my partner of the last four years. So, yeah, it's official. As I like to say, he finally gave me his soul. (laughs) (laughs) He finally handed it over. It's terrifying. Do you want to describe
0: what happened? What happened was? Uh, yes, like
2: tell us. Well, it it was a surprise and it wasn't a surprise. So uh, before he had already asked me, he was like, you're creative. I'm not going to dare buy a piece of jewelry. You already don't wear jewelry. So I'm not going to dare like buy a piece of jewelry without your approval. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, a few weeks ago we had gone over and uh, – gotten my ring and um, yeah and so I kind of had an idea when it was going to show up but I didn't know when he was going to ask me Mm -hmm. Um, and on Sunday we were like oh let's go to a few open houses Um, so we went to two open houses and then he was like oh there's this other house I want us to go take a look at Um, and so we went to this house there were all these you know open house signs store open house signs Outside in the front, which are in the back of my car right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, this looks like it's under construction. What is this? What is this one? And I walked in, and the room was full of rose petals and candles and photographs of us throughout our relationship. What's that song you always sing? What's that love, love? is so special? Love is so
1: special. Do-do-do-do-do
2: love is so special so i was very surprised i walked in and he you know got on one knee and said some really sweet stuff and then asked me to marry him and then the i mean that was the best part but also another plus was i love merit bakery strawberry cream cake and mm-hmm. he had a strawberry cream cake and a bottle of champagne. <laughs>
0: in How <the> sweet. Corner. <laughs> Ooh, I like it.
2: Winning, so, winning. It's like literally sweet. How sweet. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, it was it was really nice. It was it was perfect because I'm I'm very like private when it comes to like uh like my family stuff and mm-hmm. some of my relationship stuff. So, it was perfect that I'm not like a big crowd like uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's very like intimate. Um, so,
0: if the house was filled with people, you would have been.
1: <laughs> I would be <been> like, ah! <laughs> I'm nervous. Okay, so describe your ring so that everyone knows how beautiful it is.
2: I just learned the tech, the terminology behind all of this. So, I have a Pave diamond shank, that which means that. So that fancy. It sounds dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Pave just means the diamonds are set inside; they're not on top. Um, shank is like the ring part. I just learned that, and then I have a halo, which I, I've learned all this technology within like the last month. I had no clue. Mm-hmm. Um, a halo of diamonds, and then like a center, um, a center stone diamond. And I kind of want to give a shout out to uh, the company where we got my ring from. It's called Brilliant Earth. <gasps> Yes, that's where I got my ring, too. That's where Miguel got my ring. Yes. So Brilliant Earth is an ethical jeweler company where all their stones are ethically sourced. Mm -hmm. My particular stone, I call it a science diamond. Don't ask me how they do it. She described it to me, and I'm not a scientist, but it was basically like they take the DNA from a regular diamond Mm -hmm. and they take a rock and something, and they put it under the same pressure. Alchemy. Yes, (laughs) yes. They put it under the same pressure that a diamond would go Mm -hmm. through, and it's made in a lab, which I was very happy about because – when I was researching like rings and things, of course, like don't go to YouTube. All these scary ass videos come up of like <laughs> kids getting their hands chopped oh my off. God. It was like it was like so terrifying and scary. And like when I saw that, I was like, okay, like I don't want any of that mm-hmm. around right. my life. So I don't live my life like that. To hashtag, use my hashtag for 2018, like I don't live my life like that. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, yeah, I also want to shout out Brilliant Earth because they use um, recycled metals as well. Yeah. And so I think all of the the metals that they use are recycled. So that way they're not, you know, killing the Amazon rainforest or, you know, gold and things like that. So yeah Yay. her ring is so beautiful oh, did you remember you. like do you remember anything like actual memory from memory like your proposal no you i blanked. had to
2: watch the video <laughs> i had to watch the video to remember what happened yeah
1: yeah i feel like most people that i talk to and then just my own experience like yeah you just blank. you're yeah. like i don't know what's happening right now but i know something awesome is happening and like <laughs> yeah you have to <laughs> So, yeah, now I like to ask that question for, like, newly engaged people.
2: Like, do you remember it? No. But yeah. <laughs>
1: no. Congratulations Thank to you, you. And can we name him?
2: Oh, yeah. Johnny. His name is Johnny. Yes.
1: Congratulations to you and Johnny. We're super excited for you. Her ring is really beautiful. She came in all, like, glowy today.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I put a little makeup on. I might have to take a picture later. So. <laughs> all right.
0: So full disclosure, I'm on the Brilliant Earth website (laughs) and they have holiday marketing. Look at them. We just talked about all these tips. They're on
1: it. Oh, I really love their boxes, too. The wooden boxes. Yeah. We just saw it right here. Yes. Check out Brilliant Earth.
0: Yeah. Anyways, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, what's the price point on these? Anyways, I'm totally distracted. (laughs) I do not need to be looking at this right now. All right. I can do t- my tell me why. It's related in a different way. Um, so, my partner just moved in with me, um, I think last week. Oh, it's been a whirlwind. Um, and uh, we are not going to get engaged, everybody. <laughs> just so <laughs> you know, it's not happening right now. Um, so, don't trick me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, I'm like, what's the word, jinx me? Thank you. Um, but uh, my partner and I did do something very partnery and adulty, and we got a couch. Yay! A cute couch like a really sexy sectional that looks trendy and i can't wait for it to be in my house and y'all didn't
2: kill each other because furniture shopping with a partner can be difficult really Really?
0: yeah no that
2: is so good really that's a good sign oh good
0: yeah because Sully and i were like ready to plan our whole lives in that shop we had to like leave we were like we need to get the hell out of here we're about to buy everything
1: yeah i feel like couch shopping is a lot of fun you could like sit on a bunch of you've sat on some really terrible couches though right oh yeah
0: (laughs) that were like crazy priced and then they, it was funny when we walked in, they were like, would you like modern or traditional? And I was like, modern. I was like, do not put me in the leather section. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I'm very trendy. So all the weird, trendy, orange colored, blue thing. Like, I'm into all that. But mm-hmm. ours is like, it's white and it's sectional. And it's like kind of, I don't know, it's smaller. It's like boxier. I don't know. I'm going to take a photo. We're going to have to have like a situation at my house, some wine, Yay. and feel like an adult. But,
2: okay, this is a test for a sectional. Can you both lay down on it?
0: yes oh, i think so no just kidding <laughs> i'm making a face because marcel and i were cuddling on our ca- our current couch oh my god so sad and we we were like we didn't test we were like how do you test it out in the store <laughs> we literally were like oh is it gonna be big enough but i think i mean the sectional part is huge like the part where you're like laid out yeah um i think it's fine i'm pretty that couch is probably too big for my house we had to kind of scale it back a little bit
2: Oh, y'all are gonna have the most perfect Netflix and chill nights now, when <laughs> you both can like lay out on the couch. Oh, perfect timing too, just in time for the holidays and the I know. cold weather. Yay, yay, yay! All right, Maddie, what's your tell me why? All right,
1: so my tell me why is like not as like fun and bubbly, but it is helpful for me. So tell me why I had to learn how to set boundaries for myself <laughs> my favorite, favorite <laughs> blah, blah. yeah like can be i difficult. Mean, it can be difficult because i'm a, i'm the type of person that is always a yes person like i want to please i want to like you know be able to do all the things to be able to help other people and sometimes it's at like my own detriment where i'm just like oh god i've overcommitted to this because i want to help this person and this person and this person And so in my own journey, I'm just learning how to like scale back and then say like, no, I need this for myself and I need, you know, to be comfortable and I need to, you know, learn, learn not to have to please everybody and everybody's like people will be okay with it. So, yeah, I just I had to to learn my boundaries right now, like what I will accept, what I won't accept and, um, you know, how comfortable I am with something. I'm also learning that being newly engaged so we're like a little over a weekend now um tell me tell me yeah (laughs) 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 yeah it's a two-part tell me why the second one is just um you know i i often ask my friends like over the last like two years i've been asking you know couples that are engaged couples that are married couples that have been together for a long time like what do you do to make your relationship work because my parents are divorced and I always wanted, you know, a love that lasted for like 40 years. I want to have like a, you know, 50 year anniversary and those kinds of things. But it's a little bit difficult when you haven't had a, an example of like a very strong and loving like black or brown relationship. And so um, I think I found that for myself. Well, I know that I found that for myself, you know, with Miguel. Um, but I always ask those things. And, you know, people always say, like, when you when you get married, something changes. It, it's and I feel like most of the time people are not able to articulate whatever it whatever it is, you know, like it changes. Um, and I think I got like to the first step this this week because I made like a few decisions with my own. You know, like I'm used to just making my own decisions and usually Miguel is fine with them. Um, but I made decisions about the house and like friends and, um, without consulting him and we live together, like we don't physically live together all the time, but he's paying rent. Like we live together. This is our home. And I, I made decisions without consulting him. And then I talked to him afterward and he was just like, I wish you would have talked to me. You know, I know it feels like now this puts you in an awkward situation and I'm just kind of learning that, you know our our commitment has deepened Mm -hmm. like i thought it was pretty deep and we were on a good level before but now it requires more communication and um the responsibility of the relationship has just grown like deeper Mm -hmm. and so yeah communication has has gotten stronger it's it's a stronger need for communication and for you to be on like the same page and you know, the accountability of like one partner to another is is another thing. Like I'm always used to like being super single me like, hey, you know, I can make my own decisions and I'm independent and I can yeah. do all this mm-hmm. stuff. But it does get. It changes. It just it just changes. And so I understand why people you're on aren't a team really now. Yeah, you're on a team now. You're in a partnership. And like I described it um, this weekend by saying, like, I feel like we've spent these last three years building um, this house like this foundation and then we started building this house mm-hmm. and the proposal and the engagement was the first time that we walked into the house and flipped the light on and so something Aww. else changed in there like okay now this is a new space that we're in you know we're not in an apartment we're not in this other you know space mm-hmm. that wasn't ours this is ours and we've built it and now we have to be accountable and um, responsible and, and protect res- it protect it and you know, yeah, exactly. Protect it. Yeah. So, just the the relationship does change after you you decide that this is the person that I want to be with. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it it changes. I'm sure it'll change again on the wedding day. You know, yeah. but in the engagement stage, it has changed, mm-hmm. and I didn't think it would.
2: I think. I mean, I'm just gonna be tell everybody. I've been married before, so yes, it will. It will. You will also. Even though it feels very deep right now, believe it or not, on your wedding day, it's going to feel even deeper. Mm-hmm. And after that, it's going to get deeper and deeper as time goes on. So, yeah. Yeah. It's,
1: it's fun. It's interesting and fun learning these, like, little things as we're going. I mean, they're not little. Those are huge things. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, as you're, like, moving in a relationship, it's really Really interesting, like learning how things change through each stage, and yeah, how how things get deeper or change or grow, and it's it's really an interesting process, and I'm loving like every step of it, all the growth and all the things that I'm just like, Rah! but <laughs> it's it's really an awesome process. Yay! Yay!
2: Love is. Near I was is gonna say, love is so special. <laughs> I'm singing it. Thank you for listening to our show. Please leave a five-star rating and a positive review. And don't forget to share us with your friends because you know at least one black woman entrepreneur.
1: And you know they're going to love us. So you can find us at justbeoak.com and on all the social media as Just Be Oak. You can find us individually as at FTD Collective, at Azteca Negra, and at Rich and Riot. Awesome, and we would like to do a few
0: thank yous. First, we'd like to thank United Roots and Green Eyed Media for our recording space and equipment. We'd also like to thank our beat makers, Brother Ajman and Vinnie Bells.
1: And we'd like to thank y'all, our listeners. Y'all are so awesome. Gracias. You can find all the info from today's show in our show notes. Just look below, and we will see y'all next week.
0: Holla. Bye. Peace out you. <smart noise>